talking a lot about posture, and uh, would love to encourage you to just continue to, to, to adjust your posture. I say this because I say this because posture has it has become one of those things where for many of us it's it's become a big issue in our life and we don't even realize it. The way we sit, the way we lean it, the way we crouch over our phones, we and and posture, good posture just puts you in alignment and, and sorts out all kinds of issues. I found out when I'm in alignment, when I'm in posture, there's the good posture that, that certain things that would hurt me or tweak me in other areas, it just doesn't seem to hurt me the same way. How I many of you know sometimes it's our posture that's actually causing the problem? It's not the issue. It's not the circumstance. It's not the thing we're dealing with. It's the fact that we can't stand upright in the faith, can't stand upright in grace and joy and peace. And, um, and so I want to encourage you just to continue to work on posture. How do you posture yourself in God? And one of the things that Shane just mentioned, I love, and uh, I just want to hit it because I think it's important, and then we'll jump into to the message this morning, is, um, you know, that so often we are judging the size of our faith, and uh, rather than um, believing in the one who activates and walks in and responds to our faith, and so God says that I will move mountains if you have faith the size of what? Mustard seed. I'm not sure he could have picked anything smaller than that. You know, maybe you could have said Adam or something like that, but I think they would have been like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. You know, like, a little early, a little early for that one. Um, but a mustard seed. And so many times we look at our mustard seed faith and think God can't use that. I got to get bigger faith so God can start moving. And God's going, could just give me the faith you've got so I can get on with what I want to do in your life. Amen? So whatever you got, give it and watch him work. Hey, I am, my name is Brandon, my beautiful wife, Pastor Meredith and I pastor this great church. I think it's great. Y'all look beautiful today. She is serving in Brave Kids this morning. Come on, give uh, my wife a hand. All the Brave Kids team and people. So she's back there hanging out with kiddos, and, uh, and I love that. I think it's awesome, our Brave Kids crew. I think they're amazing. And if you're a guest with us this morning, I just want to give you a heads up. You can let us know you're here uh, because we do want to do life with you. Uh, we do not want to just send you some things. We want to do life with you. I, I hope that you feel that the moment you walk in this room, that someone's going to shake your hand. Someone's going to look you in the eye. Uh, someone's going to celebrate you, find out more about you. And as much as Next Steps is about who we are, really, we want and hope that you discover more about who you are. We believe the body of Christ, uh, if everybody's figuring out what part they play, and what brick they are, then we will build a house that actually holds the presence of God and begins to attract a lot more people. Amen? And so if you are a guest with us, you can, and I think they'll throw the slide up here, the new guest. If you, if you are a guest, you can text C3Guest to 555-888. Now here's what happens when you do that. If you do that, and you'll take the two minutes after that to fill out the form that comes with it, uh, we will give $5 in your name to a local nonprofit. Um, right now, I think we have the net on there. Uh, we have Christian Men's Network. I think we're going to add Academy 4, who was here last week, which that was incredible. We had a bunch of guys sign up, a bunch of ladies sign up to mentor fourth graders once a month for 90 minutes. Amazing. And uh, packed 100 backpacks and signed a bunch of notes to teachers. And, and so when we say we want to see Jesus on every street and every heart, we actually do mean that. And so just for you being here, we want to give $5 in your name to a local nonprofit. So we're glad you're here. And we we want you to do that. So it's awesome. All right, hey, if you're uh, if you're ready, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as Shane already alluded to, we're gonna hang out 
uh, in a lot of scripture this morning. I feel like that's a good thing. You are in church after all. Um, maybe you'll get your Bible reading in for the day because I know you read it every single day uh, because you are good Christians and you love Jesus and you want to go to heaven. Um, that's a joke. So some of you are like, oh, oh. Wait, is that for real? Like, is that a requirement? Okay. Um, now, listen, I, w- I will say this to you, though. Um, as you begin to see more and more of Jesus in your life and in the people around you, this doesn't become something you have to do. It becomes something that fuels who you are. And, and the more you discover about Jesus, we believe, the more you discover about yourself. And for some of you guys who are lacking identity or frustrated with identity or trying to make decisions about calling, I'm telling you, it's wrapped up in who Jesus is. And so you can do a bunch of good things but not really know who you are. It's the same thing we talked about last week when Genesis 2, when God breathed into the shape of Adam. When God created Adam, he shaped him before he breathed into him. Another word for breathing is the spirit of God. So God shaped Adam and then breathed life into Adam. Here's why that's important. For many of us, we stop at the shape of our lives. We can look the part. We can sound the part. We can have as many followers as possible. We could be influencing, and we can have the shape, and we can have the look, and we, could, and we could be missing life. How many of you know people who have the shape? They seem to have everything together, but they're missing something on the inside of them that gives them life. Amen? And so we don't want people, listen, we don't want you to go through next steps so that we can make sure you have the right shape of a Christian. We want to make sure that you walk into a place where you have a spirit breathing in you that fills your lungs every day. And no matter what comes and no matter what situations you face and no matter what difficulties come along, the shape isn't going to be the thing. The spirit of your life is going to animate your shape and you are going to be able to do life regardless. Because here's the problem. If you rely on the shape, if you ever have an issue with your shape, you won't ever live. If it's all about circumstance and context, then if you have a bad context or bad, bad surrounding, you won't ever move forward. And if we just continue to blame our surroundings and never adjust our spirit, it will not matter what surroundings we find ourselves in. Are you with me? So let God begin to fill your spirit. Okay, I don't know why I brought all that up, because we're supposed to be going to 1 Corinthians 12. We are in a bit of series on, uh, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I made these guys come up because I just, I like starting with keys. I feel like you listen to me better. Um, give it up for Sarah and Kyle. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, 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 get out of here. Move on. Get, quit trying to steal the show. Okay. You guys are awesome. First Corinthians chapter 12. We are in a series on the Holy Spirit, and I cannot, will not ever do a series on the Holy Spirit um, without talking about the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. I feel like this is one of those areas where uh, primarily with the gifts of the Spirit, there is a lot of either confusion or uh, misinformation or, or whatever. And, and so we have preconceived ideas. The moment we even say the phrase, gifts of the Spirit, some of us cringe, some of us get, because we've been in certain situations, or we've heard about certain stories, or we've watched a few YouTube videos. And we just get like, I don't know what that means, man. Like, there's all this stuff that you, when you say the gifts of the Spirit, it gets a little strange. So on, on one hand, you've got the gifts of the Spirit where we have all these ideas about it or, or uh, different um, frustrations with it or experiences with it or, or whatever the case might be. And then you have the fruit of the Spirit. The, issue, the fruit of the Spirit is not the same where we have these kind of reactions to it. We, with the fruit of the Spirit, we just have kind of an apathy towards it. 
right? We have the fruit of the Spirit that is meant to be produced in our loves, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those. And and we kind of just tend to, while they're easy to uh, recite and easy to remember and we understand that they're meant to be there, we kind of just never look at our life in light of those things. If we are following Jesus, if we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, these things should begin to be more and more present in our life. Love, joy, peace. What I love about that is that it really isn't, again, going back to surroundings and context, it is not dependent upon good circumstances for you to have joy. It's not, good, it's not dependent upon other people loving you for you to love people. It is not dependent upon other people allowing you into the lane on the highway for you to, be, for you to let the next person into the lane on the highway. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't, act, don't look at me like that. You're like, I don't understand that analogy because I'm, I'm Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you today that, that, that while we may have a certain reaction towards the gifts and a certain apathy towards the fruit, both are meant to be present in our lives when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So I think it's important we talk about this. So I'm going to take a second. We're going to read quite a few verses today. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12 is where we will start. I'm reading out of the New Living on a couple of these. I'm reading out of the Holman Christian, in, which is just now known as the Christian Standard, um, on one. And uh, they all pretty well say the same thing, just in different ways. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. So just right off the bat, Paul understood, you should understand, it is okay to have questions about these things we call spiritual gifts. It is, it is important that you and I can ask questions about the things we do not understand. I hate that there are a lot of people who have disconnected from the church, not because they didn't want to be there, but the questions that they had, they could not ask there. I want to make sure that we are a place where the question, because what, what I've found is that they will ask a question, not feel comfortable asking that question, so they will go ask it within a group of people that will at least allow them to answer, ask it. Whether or not they have an answer for it, they'll allow them to ask it. I want to be a place where people can ask the questions. And not everybody in here is going to be on the same page all the time, that they're going to have questions about things. And I think Paul is embracing the idea that we can do more than just sermonize everything, but we can actually converse around things, that we can have a conversation around these things. And we may not leave that conversation completely convinced of the other person's point of view, but what we do know is that God is in the midst of us because we have gathered under the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. I don't want you to misunderstand this. It's important to Paul that you don't misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one's speaking by the Spirit of God. So he's comparing idols trying to tell you what to do to the Spirit of God trying to tell you what to do, which one actually can tell you what to do. Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So before he even lists off the gifts of the Spirit, he is prioritizing unity of the Spirit. So even in Ephesians, he says, dwell in unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to dwell in unity of the Spirit. Why? Because out of unity comes the purpose and the reason for the gifts of the Spirit. God works in different ways, but it's still the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift... Listen to this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I didn't think that was funny, but the uh, <laughs> spiritual gift is given to help each other, right? It, that's why you go to Next Steps, you find out the 
you have. They'll walk you through, talk you through some of those things. Why? So that we can be the body of Christ. Again, last week we talked about this. God breathed into the person of Adam. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the New Testament begins and the church begins, God, God breathes into the people Okay, so he breathes into the person of Adam, and then he breathes into the people of God. He breathes into the body of Christ. So no longer was it contingent and fully dependent upon one person to do all the work. It was now dependent upon a group of people to take the church where the church is intended to go and to bring heaven to earth. So it is important that we all know our gifts so that we can use them to bless each other because the priority of love is to benefit others at our own expense. And so when you see someone using the gifts of the Spirit to benefit themselves and not the church, you have found someone who is using them incorrectly, and you do not need to submit to it. All right? And the gifts shouldn't make you, listen, I have always, the whole, and that's why I love C3. Uh, C3 is our family, about 600 of us around the world, uh, not people, just churches. Uh, tens of thousands of people gathering under the name of Jesus every single week. And I love the movement because what I discovered when I first joined it was, and when I became part of it is uh, uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. The Holy Spirit shouldn't make you more weird. It should make you more relevant. The Holy Spirit should speak into your life in such a way that you actually can speak to your world in a better way. And so that's, that's the purpose here. We got to get on with the reading. So y'all need to stop shutting me down. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Important thing here, and I think the reason some of these things hit us a little strange is because we have tried to make God so practical, he's not supernatural. I do believe God gives you practical advice. I believe God is a God of order. I believe God's a God of wisdom. I believe God gives you strategies to achieve the vision he's put in your heart. I believe all of those things, but I also believe he is still mysterious. I also believe if I try to remove all the mystery from God, then I have removed the essence of who God is. God is bigger than I can comprehend, and I never want him to become too small. In fact, I don't ever want him to be contained by my comprehension. If I have done that, I have limited my own ability to step into a new place because I've already discovered him where I was. I want to discover him every time in a new way, in a fresh way, in a new thing, in a new season. Amen? Okay. I'm glad you guys are with me today. This is good. I preach better that way. Or at least I think I do. I might just get distracted and y'all are like, he's way off the rails now. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, just a couple chapters later. We're doing a little Bible class this morning. 1 Corinthians 14 says this, Paul says this, he says, let love be your highest goal. So y'all know 1 Corinthians 13 because you've all been to a wedding. All right, we love to read that verse at a wedding. And uh, the challenge about the Bible is that it lifts up an ideal while giving grace for us when we don't reach it. And so it says, love is all of these things. Keeps no record of wrong. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I know you have. Okay, love is patient. You ever not patient? Yeah, I know, me too. Love is, right? Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You ever miss the mark on those? Yeah, I know. It's, I don't know why we read it at weddings. It just puts a lot of pressure on you, you know? Um, and, but the reason this whole chapter exists in the Bible, the whole reason this is here, and remember, he didn't write in chapters. He wrote a letter. 
So he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He's giving order to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's saying all of these things. And then he goes, okay, hold on. Before I go any further, you need to remember that it is love that drives all of these things. And if you do any of these things without love, then you are just a clanging symbol. And that's loud and, and nobody wants to hear that. All right? And, and you're, just, you're just like Brandon's kids sitting in the back seat when they don't want to go where you're wanting to go. And that, you don't, nobody wants that. So you have to be driven by Love. If you want the gifts to operate completely and fully and correctly, you need it to be driven by love. And then he picks up in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, let love be the, per- the highest goal. But even though you want to win the school, it's still okay for you to pursue a good career. Right? So he's going, hey, this is the highest thing. Love is the highest priority. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, we're not going to get into a descriptor of all of these things, and uh, we talk a little bit about that in Next Steps, not completely, but we, we've got resources and stuff that we'll talk about. I'm going to put some books that, um, that I love about the Holy Spirit uh, on our website so you can check that out. Uh, we want to make sure that this isn't the complete and, and total experience with the Bible every week. Amen? Uh, if this sparks something in you, investigate it. Fan that flame, yeah? If you go, oh, I want to know more about that, go pick up a book, including the Bible, and, uh, and read about it. Talk to somebody about it. And so here he is, and he's going, hey, I want you to pursue these things. Yeah, love is your highest priority. And in that context, you can pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's gifts. Now, that, that isn't everything the Bible says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. understand that. Uh, but I want to go to another one, Galatians chapter 5. And because this is in a different translation, I'm going to read it off the screen. So if you can get Galatians 5 on there, starting in verse 16. You throw that up there. There it is. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. You know, he's not talking about your skin. He's talking about um, something separated from the Spirit of God that is meant to animate your life. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here's where some language needs to be caught. Now, the works, everybody say works. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, stop carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying the practice of these things because they are led by the works of the flesh. But this fruit of the spirit, everybody say fruit. Isn't that interesting? Fruit and works are very different terms. Right? One is done of your strength and of your own accord, and one is produced in you. When I try to do it all by myself in my own way, the way I want to do it, that is when I have the most challenges. But when I am led by the Spirit, then something is produced in my life that I don't have to work at loving you. I don't have to work at having joy. I don't have to work at being kind. It's being produced in me as I've walked with him. Amen? All right, so this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law. In other words, there is no standard that is higher than these things. These things will always go beyond what the law requires. The law is meant to almost set a, a, a line for you and I to realize we can't do it on our own. The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, those things are meant to take you beyond where you currently are. So in John 16, again, I know I'm saying a lot of scripture today. Just write them down, read them later. But I feel like you're okay with me mentioning the Bible. Just good, cool. In John 16, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, hey, it is actually better for you that I leave. 
It's better. Now, I want you to hear this. Three years, hanging out with Jesus. He's going to become the Messiah. He's going he's to be the Savior. He's going to be the one that sets everything right. And he's here, and he's doing miracles, and he's multiplying things, and there's a movement beginning to grow, and, and a lot of good things are happening. Uh, yeah, challenging circumstances, but a lot of good things are happening. And Jesus looks him in the eye before he dies, before he resurrects. He looks him in the eye and says, hey, it's going to be better for you if I'm not here anymore. I feel like that's strange. I feel like it's a bit like what I did this week when I dropped off my six-year-old at kindergarten for the first time. It was a bit like, hey, this is going to be better for you that I'm not your best friend. It's going to be better for you that I let you go in and give this a shot. It's going to be better for you. I'm going to send one. I didn't send the teacher. But I'm going to put you in a position where this teacher can lead you and guide you and shape you and help you. And I will be there all along the way. I will be there. I'll be for you. But it's, it's better for you. And he would, man, I, I tell you, this week was a little tough. I know some of you have dropped off some kindergartners at school, but, but, but it's hard, man. And I know some people are like, no, it's good. Like, you know, get him out of here. Um, I, man, it was hard. I, I'm used to seeing my boy a lot. And, and, uh, and so we dropped him off. And then it just so happens that the window to his classroom is right along where the walkway is back to the car. Right? And the first day the teacher goes, hey, you could say bye to him in the window. She did not realize what she was doing. And so, I mean, the second day, I think it was the second day, I dropped him off. And I turned the corner. And there he is at the window. And he just starts crying. It's like a little puppy in the window, you know, it's just like bawling. I know, right? It's hard. And, uh, and I walked away strong without crying because, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, it's a good thing I had sunglasses on, so we're good. But I'm, and I'm like talking to the window as though he can hear me like, you're good, man. All the parents are like, what's going on? Hey, you're good. You're going to be okay. And I imagine that there's probably a little bit of this. It's a little bit different story. But a little bit of this with the disciples is they're looking at Jesus going, what are you talking about? It's better. How could this possibly be better? How could it be better that you're not here? And he says the reason is is because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the one that God promised. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the one that reminds you of what I said. I'm going to send the one that shapes you into looking more like me. I'm, I'm going to send the one who can be with you all the time. I'm going to send the one so that you aren't always dependent on me to heal the sick or dependent on me to multiply the bread or me to, to, to preach the message or me to prophesy or me to do the thing. I want you to get to the place through the Holy Spirit in you where you're beginning to do these things. And this is why Jesus would say, because you're going to do even greater works than I so the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to shape you more and more in the image of Christ that you might become like him and begin to do the things that he has done. In Acts 1, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, I'm about to go, but, and you don't need to know the times and dates. How many of you wait till you know the times and dates and details of everything God wants to do before you'll take a step? Right? That, yeah. We, we all tend to do that. We want the details before we want the destiny. We, we want the details before we walk in what God's called us to. It's surprising, but uh, no matter how many years I've done this and lived this, I usually do the same thing. God, could you just tell me when and where, and I'll go. Yeah. It's like, it's not for you to know the when and where. Because if, I, if it's always about the when and where, then you won't be who you're called to be unless you're in the when and where. You, you will use that as an excuse not to be who I've called you to become. So he says, don't worry about the times and dates. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, no matter the time or the date. No matter the times, no matter the dates, no matter the place. You are going to have power to be my witnesses wherever and whenever you happen to be. How awesome would it be to not make God's purpose in my life contingent upon my decisions about life? 
What if I just go, God, whatever, whatever you want to do, let's go. And he goes, okay, sweet. I'm going to do things that work within who you are, but I need to know that you're willing to do whatever I ask. And, it, and there's something that happens here. So, so, so Jesus says, hey, power is going to come upon you. Then we see it happen in Acts chapter 2. They begin to speak in tongues. People begin to hear them in their own languages because this happened to be a time when a lot of different people from a lot of different places came. And thousands of people get saved and things begin to happen. It's pretty cool. So we see the gifts of the Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit, one produced by, uh, by, by the Holy Spirit in their life, the other one produced by uh, the Holy Spirit being given to their life, and there's a lot of discussion around all of these things. And, and if this is your first time, or this is the first time in church in a while, I know that talking about gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit can be a bit of a, a heady thing, but I don't think it should be, and here's why. Francis Chan said this, if you've heard of Francis Chan, uh, quite the journey he's been on and uh, doing some really amazing things in the city of San Francisco, but he pastored this mega church and was doing really well and he retired and moved on. If you could throw that quote of, of Francis Chan, the world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation and the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. In other words, we could gather, we could do the shape of church and not have the spirit of Christ. Y'all ever been to that church? Yeah, me neither. Okay. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. We spend so much time, because we're obsessed with shape and context and not spirit, we spend so much time uh, thinking about uh, what culture is doing rather than what God is wanting to do in us. And again, if the Holy Spirit is making us more relevant, then it'll work out. Hey, go to the next one. The next quote is from a commentator around these verses. If this new thing called the church is going to take over the world with the gospel, the Holy Spirit isn't going to do the same thing he did in the Old Testament. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just a different thing. In the Old Testament, it was come and see. It was always come and see. Come and see what's happening to the, the people of Israel. Come and see. But Jesus inaugurated the new age of the Holy Spirit's power. It's no longer come and see, but go and tell. Every city becomes the holy city. Every people becomes the chosen people. Every church and every believer become the holy temple. So we can see Jesus on every street, and we can see Jesus in every heart. Amen? Amen. So the purpose here is that we would begin to be people that aren't limiting God's effectiveness to our 1030 or 9 o'clock service on a Sunday morning. This should be what lights something in us or ignites something in us or imparts something in us, but it should not be limiting us. I believe the church will go into revival when we start counting how many people get saved on Sunday and start taking into account how many people are getting saved on Tuesday. Now, I know that's a very idealistic thing to say, and I understand it's, that's a challenge. It's hard until you understand who's doing it with you, until you understand that it is the Holy Spirit in you working in you to begin to produce these things and give these things so that you might begin to see him on every street and in every heart. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take a second, and I'm going to throw a little graphic on the screen, and we're just going to talk through this list. Again, I feel like we're doing class here, and I actually think that's okay for today. At the end, we'll, uh, we'll give a response moment. Okay, I want you to throw that list up here, fruit and gifts. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is that fruit is, um, is not plural, well, we could say it that way, but fruit in, 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 in the New Testament, in Galatians 5, is noticed as and typically um, translated as a singular thing that produces multiple things. So, so in other words, you're not trying to go get that so you can have love and then go get that so you can have joy and go get that so you can have kindness and go get that so you can have self-control. Okay, And just a reminder, the Holy Spirit gives you self-control 
like, I think it's important because we, we love to teach self-denial. Um, I, I think we need to have self-control, the ability to walk into circumstances and still walk as God would. Okay, so fruit is meant to be what is the seed of the Holy Spirit in your life beginning to produce in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And gifts, there are multiple. They are different. They do look different. They're given by the same person, but they are different. Okay, are you good with me? Are you ready? Okay, so the first one, planted. Fruit is planted. Fruit is start under the surface. And there's a reason for that. Because it is meant to be regular, consistent, and always. It is meant to be something that is growing in us. And you and I, as, and Jesus illustrates this with one of his parables. The idea that we could break the surface before we've established roots underneath the surface is a really unhealthy way to do life. Because the moment you break the surface with no roots beneath the surface is the moment you die quickly. You cannot, 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 cannot continue to try to live a life publicly that you are are not committed to privately. Because everything that is done privately will be tested publicly. Testing is not meant to fail you, it is meant to prove you. So if you miss it, don't get mad, just take it again. Okay? The purpose here, though, is that you would continue to grow. But it is done under the surface. So the fruit of the Spirit is something that happens on the inside of us on a regular, consistent basis, and it is built in private moments. Now you, listen, hear me, Love, joy, peace, patience, kind all those things are really good um, until you have to be around other people and when you find out whether or not you actually will love people and whether or not you actually have joy, right? So, so understand that these are used in the context of community, but God develops them in the private places as you surrender your life to Jesus, as you continue to press into the Holy Spirit. It is planted. It is regular. It is, it is consistent. It is always. It is done underneath the surface. It is not anything. It, we have to be people who under the surface have a root system that is continually drawing nutrients and water and allowing us to grow. All right? On the gift side of it, it is given. It's out in the open. It is Christmas morning right? It is us getting a gift and God giving it to us, and the moment we open it, we get to use it. Love, joy, peace, patience, those things are developed in you. Some of you are frustrated that you aren't loving people the way you could. Just keep trying. Just keep walking in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Just keep walking with him, and he will develop those things in your life. Those things are developed, but God gives you gifts. It is free it is not because you've been a good person. It is not because you're awesome, although you might be. It is not because of any of those things. It is a gift freely given to you. Now, it might need to be requested, but it is given. Okay, fruit is cultivated. We read this already. It's the works of the flesh or the produce of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. Fruit is Produce, right? You go to the produce aisle to pick up fruit, right? Why? Because it is something that is developed and grown over time. It is cultivated in you. Don't get mad because you're not as joyful as you always, that you want to be. Don't get mad because you don't have the kindness that you were hoping for. Don't get mad because you don't have the self-control. Just continue to work on what is going on underneath the surface of your life. Continue to surrender the private places to the Holy Spirit. Continue to give that to him so he can continue to cultivate the gifts of the Spirit, the character of your life. That is one of the great differences. I didn't list it on here. This is not an extensive list. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is character. The gifts of the Spirit are charisma. Charisma is, is a special ability to do something. Character and charisma go hand in hand. If you have talent with no character, you will fail. If all you have character and no talent, which you do have, then you won't ever take a step. You need to understand 
you are gifted to do things and you have a character to do things. You need a foundation and a home. You need both. So you are cultivated under the surface. Gifts are activated in a moment. In the first service today, Talisha stood up here, was praying, and she opened her eyes. And she saw somebody and she began to prophesy. That wasn't something that took six weeks to get there. That wasn't, it was her taking a step. It was her going, okay, Pastor Meredith did this a few weeks ago. Someone's standing in the room, only been here a few times, said their name, said something. She came up to us after service. I cannot believe you even said that. I can't even believe that happened. I, I, I was sitting at coffee. I've said this story a thousand times. I don't care because it's an amazing story. I was sitting with a buddy of mine. He checked out from the conversation. I thought it was a little bit rude. And then I realized he was going to say something to the young ladies next to us. I thought, hey, you're single. Go for it. And so he, he, he tapped her on the shoulder and he just said, hey, it just felt like the Lord told me the word Asia. She looked at him. Her jaw dropped. Eyes got big. Her friend gets freaked out. I'm totally out of the loop on what's going on. And she says, I've been trying to become a, a missionary in Asia, and I've not been able to secure funding, and it's been a really long road, and I was ready to give up. And he goes, no, I just felt like the Lord wanted you to know that's still in your future. And she's like, oh, man. I'm like, oh, that was good. You should definitely ask for her number now. And, uh, and But listen, that prophetic word was not just for her. It was for her friend to go, oh, wow, that was cool. It was for me to be able to tell you that God wants to speak to people in your life. But if you don't raise, lift up your eyes and realize that it isn't all about you, you won't ever have a word for a friend. You won't ever discern it for a friend. You, you, you need a gift of faith for a friend who walks up to you and goes, I'm not sure about this. I don't know about this. And God activated. And you go, oh, hey, no, you know what? No, God's got this. You're good. You're going to make it. God gives you gifts freely and activates them in a moment. So this is the argument that people always have of, don't I have the Holy Spirit when I get saved? I always have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you do, and he's cultivating you and shaping you all the time. So what do you mean that I get a gift where I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, they begin to speak in tongues, and things begin to happen, people get saved. All right, cool, so they have the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, so then why in Acts chapter four does the writer of Acts say that he was, they were filled with the Holy Spirit to speak with boldness? Why then does Peter, get filled with the Spirit to begin to speak to the Sanhedrin. Why does that have to happen if they already have the Holy Spirit? Well, because the Holy Spirit both is with you always and ready to operate and work in moments notice. So he will cultivate you underneath the surface and then he will show up suddenly and do things in your life that aren't practical and weren't according to your plan and they weren't gonna take an hour and a half meeting. They just needed to get with somebody else who was going, God's gonna work. Hey, God told me to tell you this. Hey, I have a gift of faith for you. Hey, I have a discernment about this decision. Hey, are you with me? God wants to cultivate and activate you. And then the fruit of the Spirit is God growing you. How I many of you know you need more love? I, I don't need to even ask the question. Right? I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You need to love me more. I'm just joking. How many, we need that love, right? We need joy. How I many you know we need more joy? And we don't need superficial joy. We, we don't need hopeful joy. We don't need wishful joy. We need joy that's on the inside of us that says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The joy that is our kind of strength, the inexpressible, unexplainable joy that Paul talks about. Growing us consistently, regularly, growing the spirit day by day, becoming more and more glory to glory to glory like Jesus. And then go. The gifts of the Spirit are for you to go. Why? Because the gifts of the Spirit, as Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, he says this is so that people would see the witness of what God wants to do in your life. How many of you know, I've told this story of a young man leaning over and saying Asia to a young lady a thousand times. How many of you know that has encouraged people? 
It is the gifts of the Spirit are for us, not just for me. And when I pray and when I speak and when I talk in faith, have you ever been in a room with someone just, it's like, it's not wishful thinking. It's not just conjecture. It's, it's going, God is up to something. And you go, you're right. He is. And it's not because they said it right. It's not because they have great inflection. It was because there was a spirit attached to it. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to be able to go into places with a spirit of life and hope and joy and peace changing the world around you. Amen? And the fruit of the spirit is you. What are you willing to surrender? What are you willing to put in front of him? What are you willing to do privately? What are you willing to just walk in step with the Holy Spirit? Not the works, the fruit. Not what can you, I'm just going to walk with you. Hey, you know what? I'm worried. Okay, pray more. And that's not like, that's not condemning. Hear me, hear me. What you worry about, pray about. Oh, I'm worried about that. Okay, cool, so pray about it. It's like a sign to you. Feelings aren't directions, they're data. If, if you're feeling something, it doesn't mean do that. It means process it. And then do something that is, uh, that helps or meets that need. So I'm feeling hopeless, then what do I need to do? Not, I'm feeling hopeless, so I am hopeless. I'm feeling, so I, I don't deny, listen, Christianity does not deny the reality of what is. It takes it into account and then confesses heaven. It takes into account what's going on in my life. I'm not in the denial business. Jesus wasn't either. That's why Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, you're going to have troubles in this world, but don't worry, I've overcome it. Trouble, yeah, it exists, but don't worry, because I've overcome it. I have a reality, and I have a confession, and I have a belief and a trust. And so by private world, the fruit of the Spirit is developed in, in me, not just for me, but it is developed in me. And the gifts of the Spirit, you begin to see operating in us as a people as we begin to sit at a coffee table or at a dinner party or on a Sunday morning and we begin to look up and see others and we see something activated in our life. I'm telling you, some of you are waiting for the gifts of the Spirit to be activated in your life, but you won't lift your eyes up to see other people and that's where God wants to use your giftings. That's why we're gonna talk about calling and destiny and purpose and all that stuff in two weeks' time. Um, don't skip next weekend, but in two weeks' time, we're going to start a series on calling. Now, I, I'm, it's one of my life's messages, so I'm really excited about it. But one of the things Jesus does when he calls his disciples, he says, hey, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But there's this interesting thing, in particular translations, where it says, come follow me, he said to them, and I will make you fishers of men. I think we skip over that part because we're so excited about following him and so excited about doing what we're called to do that we forget that we're meant to do it with them. Your calling is not just for you, and it won't be just found in you either. So I do School of Leadership. The very first session of School of Leadership, Pastor Phil gets up and says, hey, your vision and your destiny is not only found in you. In fact, most of it is found in other people. Not derived from, not defined by, not originated from, but it is found in relationship as you work well with other people. That's why you need the fruit of the Spirit, so you can operate well in the gifts of the Spirit. They are together. Amen? Character, charisma, working together to bring heaven to earth. Now, here's what I want to hit, and this is what I want to end with. Both of them, both of them are predicated upon you and I having correct posture. I know I already hit this today, but you and I having correct posture. Fruit would be a posture of surrender. God, whatever you want to do. That's what worship is. That's why you don't skip worship. 
because worship gets me into a place to hear the word. So I worship God so that I can hear the word who is Jesus so that I can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to work it out. Okay? So that's why we worship. We worship to get back into alignment with what we should be worshiping. Because how many of you know Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes, and we start worshiping all kinds of different things. You should have no other God before me. And actually, the best way to describe that, the best way to interpret that is to say no other God beside me. Don't elevate anything to the level of God or you will have a schizophrenic faith. Sunday will be good. Monday won't. Because Monday you're serving money. Tuesday you're serving relationship. Wednesday you're serving circumstance. No, no, no. No other God before me. No other name. The gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, work together that we might see heaven on earth. But if we would have a posture of surrender, God will continually shape our life. Gifts of the Spirit, a, a, a posture of pursuit. Paul says this, right? Eagerly pursue. Go after I don't want you to misunderstand it because I actually want you to pursue it. So I want you to go after it. So that, that, that is a posture of, I'm, God, give me whatever gift it is. And some would argue that it isn't just the nine we read in 1 Corinthians 12. There are more than that. But what is the gift you have from, is there a gift of faith? Is there more than one? Am I a gift of faith and I'm going to prophesy and I'm going to discern? I'm, whatever it is. But I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to pursue it. And that's typically what happens. The enemy wants to make you so uh, confused by the gifts of the Spirit you never go after it. And he wants to make you work so hard at loving people that you never just let it be produced in you. Surrender, pursuit. Let those things be a part of your, I surrender whatever it is, God, I'm coming after you. And watch as God begins to cultivate your life and begins to activate his giftings in your life. And when you do that, when you begin to elevate Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to show up in your world, you will begin to actually have an influence on those around you. Because, man, I'm telling you, and I listen, we, give all, we all give good advice. I give good advice. I, well, some of us give good advice. Okay. Some of you say it's okay to like the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not. It's terrible. It's a bad decision. That is bad advice. Or to wear a Go Pack Go while you're running sound for our church. Matt Schneider. It's, it's not a good shirt. It's terrible. And... But how many of you know a word from the Lord in a moment will, will completely overdo, overwhelm, top the list of any kind of hour-long advice session you could give somebody? I'm not saying those things can't work together. I'm simply saying, are you only satisfied with giving good advice? Or do you want in your life to be that person who walks with a gift of faith? Or prophesies over a situation? Or has discernment about a decision that needs to be made? Are you wanting that kind of living where you are walking in the gifts of the Spirit and being cultivated in the fruit of the Spirit so you can bring life to dark places, so you can bring hope to places that feel like they're hopeless, so you can bring joy in the midst of any circumstance? Amen? Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you want C3 Fort Worth to be a light in the city of Fort Worth. I thank you that you want this place to be full of people who others can see Jesus in. You want this place to be a place where people notice something. God, you do not want us to be so practical we have forgotten to be spiritual. We are, after all, created as spiritual people. But Paul would say to us, hey, oh, physical working out, it's all good, but the spiritual things you do, the training you do spiritually, I'm telling you, it's far greater.
And God, we have a world that is obsessed with the outward appearance of our lives, the shape of our lives, but we want to be a church that stresses and encourages the Spirit of God in us. And so for some of us today, we have a new understanding of certain things. For some of us today, we've re-engaged in the conversation around some things. For some of us simply today, we are adjusting our posture to the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We are adjusting who we are so that we might begin to walk in these things and not be apathetic towards them and not even be averse to some of them, but that we would begin to pursue and surrender. Pursue who you are. And we be really careful. We do not pursue the gifts in the, in the same way that we actually pursue who you are. And in that context, we begin to discover the gifts that you put in our heart. And as we pray and as we seek you and as we get around people who are seeking you, then something begins to shift in our life. God, I want to see hundreds of dinner parties all over Fort Worth with people who are having great conversations. But when the Holy Spirit says, speak up, we speak. When the Holy Spirit says, pray over here, we pray.